The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Roto World's Josh Norris here with, I guess, the post-wildcard round heading into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs post national championship of the college football season. Uh, this is an early week podcast. We know you all like them very much during the season. Uh, so why not do it after the regular season? And I'm going to bring on Mr. Roto Pat, Patrick Darty. Pat, we've discussed this like a hundred times, but what is your middle name? I have a good middle name actually. Bennett. Bennett. I knew. Okay. I knew it was, um, a unique one. Let's put it that yeah. way. But Bennett yeah. is a good one. You should go by Bennett. Roto Ben. I wouldn't be bad. I feel like I did kind of hit the middle name lottery. Most people they either have like a crushingly bland one. Yeah. Or like a super embarrassing family middle name. Yeah. Like my, bro- my brother's middle name is Norm, which I like. But, you know, I'd say it's no Bennett. Yeah. Um, so my mine is I don't, I'm not. My name is not Josh. Okay. It's not Joshua. Uh, it's John Joseph. Say, so is it Josiah? No, it's just John Joseph. Um, and, Where does Josh come so from? So I, I have learned that if I ever do have children, uh, then I will never name them or call them something that is not their name. Just because it's like a pain to go around life, like correcting people, like all the time at like the doctor's office or the first day of school or whatever. Uh, like John Norris is he here. Yeah, yeah, he's here, but I go by Josh. And that's like waste 10 seconds of your life all the time. And if you like tell the story, it's yeah. really dumb. It's really one of dumb my, and pointless. One of my best friends growing up, his first name was Robert and his middle name was Roy. And for some reason from the day he was born, they called him Jack. And <laughs> so he had a name in no way no related sense. to either his first or middle name. He did eventually illegally change it. Yeah. But yeah, it was a big hassle for him. So. But I would feel weird changing my name too. If you can't tell... Uh, this podcast is going to be a bit different than the normal ones. Uh, you know, it's going to be kind of like a stream of thought podcast, maybe not one that is pre-planned with points and things like that, but we did want to get to kind of as the backbone using my latest mock draft to kind of talk about a lot of team needs and where some teams are at this moment in the off season. Um, I guess, Pat, we should start with the New York Jets because... Uh, why I guess everything starts with the New York Jets. They're kind of a punching bag at points. Um, maybe take us through how different this offense could look next season compared to the absolute mess it was at times this season. Yeah, I mean, for Jets team needs, the first thing I wrote was everything, question mark. <laughs> nice. And uh, obviously they need a quarterback, but uh, they also pretty much literally didn't have a tight end this season. Um, like, I, I'm not sure if I know – the Jets tight end. Uh, oh, I mean, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm sure I. Oh, Aust- well, Austin Austin's Austin's Jenkins. Jenkins, of course. Yeah, but that doesn't really count. I mean, he 
he well, he caught like five or six passes, exactly. I think. So, I would say, despite investing uh, eight or nine day day one or two picks in quarterback over the next over the past seven years, <laughs> they need a quarterback. Right. Uh, they desperately need a tight end because I think I think they spent a lot of the year playing with just ten dudes. They didn't even bother having a tight end on the field. They just took the L on that one. Um, they've invested a lot of resources in wide receiver. And, Trading yeah, draft picks, free agent money, early draft picks, where they need a wide receiver. Uh, or you were you going to say there? Well, no, I I just think that this is one of the situations where it's not like a lot of these players are currently free agents. Um, it's it's guys that they might cut because they're declining players with high price contracts. Um, you look yeah. at the left tackle situation. You look at the center spot. You look at multiple wide receivers. I mean, they could create like thirty million dollars in cap space just by cutting a ton of people. But then, like you're locked into running back contracts. And yeah, so we determined that they could not cut Matt Forte. No, uh, so they they are stuck yeah, with him a, next year. It's not a good situation. You know, the Jets. This is how their roster looked. You know, kind of before at the end of the Rex Ryan era, and they had like the one like uh, day in the sun last year, and immediately reverted back to crushing Jetsness. So it's and then yeah, on, on top of all this, like they've spent all their first round picks on the defensive side of the ball as of late. And then their defense sucked as well. Yeah. It's a, it's could be, you could argue it needs to be a total gut job, but they probably have too many high dollar contracts to make it a complete gut job. Well, I don't know, maybe not, but they can cut Dale Revis. They can, it's not a good situation. No, like, and, and I know Pat that you rank rosters at some point in the off season and coaches and general managers, like, could this theoretically be the worst situation in the NFL or bottom three at least? Um, I mean, no, probably not. Really? See, I think it could be. I really think when it you could got be. when you've got like this much defensive line talent. I mean, granted, this seems like they'll probably trade one of them or right. I, I, not Mo Wilkerson. I guess would be hard to trade. Maybe they'll trade Sheldon Richardson, yeah, but the they've got fun. enough dudes. I mean, when you have that kind of defensive line, I feel like that alone keeps you out of like a bottom three or four situation. But I mean, it's definitely not the good. Would like a word. Uh, Oh yeah, that's a good I mean, a fair point. But uh, <laughs> they can find a quarterback better than Jared Goff. I mean, it's not that bad. Well, they it's might have bad. one at Christian Hackenberg. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. As much as I, as I, I think I mean, both are pretty, honest, pretty not I feel good. Like I would like. To, I would pay to watch that reality show. <laughs> Jared Goff versus Christian Hackenberg. Uh, and and I mean, again, we're we're completely forecasting here and 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 trying to predict the unpredictable. But like. It's, could you possibly give odds on Christian Hackenberg being the starting quarterback next year? Because a lot of people are trying to compare this to a, a Jimmy Clausen type situation with the Carolina Panthers then taking Cam Newton at number one the next year after spending a second round pick on Jimmy. But I mean, that year we saw Jimmy Clausen play and we saw like how bad he was, right? Um, we well, haven't I mean, I would seen argue anything we've seen from the- Christian Hackenberg. Well, I'd argue we've seen how bad Christian Hackenberg is. By not seeing him? <laughs> well, I mean, we saw his final three years at Penn State or whatever, and we saw his preseason uh, legendarily bad. Right. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they the draft board kind of sets up for them to blunder into a, maybe an actually good quarterback. I mean, I could see why they would try to resist that. Yeah, they just drafted a first-round quarterback in 2009. They've used two second-round picks on quarterbacks in the past five years. Uh Bryce Petty, you know, only a fourth round pick, but that's kind of still not a pick you just like to throw away. So they have every reason to take a quarterback. Maybe the only reason they won't do it is embarrassment over how many quarterbacks they've taken. Yeah. Um, and so 
what, we can list off the changes as no Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe Brandon Marshall gone, left tackle center, as we talked about Darrell Rivas, so on and so forth. So a big roster overhaul for the Jets, and I actually gave them an inside linebacker in Reuben Foster. If you watch the national championship, you'll know why. Uh, how about Is that the- game, that game's not over yet, by the way. I'm kind of, <laughs> been pretty into this third quarter here. Um, this is, so we're looking forward to the finish it, so, of that. So that means what? It's been going on for 15 hours now? Is that what you're saying? Let's see. It was seven. So that's 12. Yeah, no, about 17, 18 hours. 17, so. 18 hours. It's very yeah. close. Very, very it's close. still not the record. Uh, <laughs> it's that's actually under the average length of game for the NCAA this year. Wow. Uh, uh, let's yeah. move on to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, this is a team that, and I know you've probably blurred things like this already this offseason, uh, the head coach used the term evolve offensively. Um, then the general manager, like a week later or two weeks later, said evolve is the wrong word. Uh, so that's some great continuity in that yeah. call. Um, but look, to me, evolve on that offense, Pat, means fewer, slower developing plays, especially when you have an offensive line that allows pressure. So that was just bad coaching. And maybe more of an emphasis on the running game, even though they've been a very... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if they need to evolve necessarily as kind of just refocus. Yeah. And maybe Cam can't run quite as much, but they really need to refocus on the running game. And sorry, and you were in the middle no, of the really No, no, great... no. And, and to me, it's just, it's just injecting some speed. Like we've seen yeah, it I mean... over the last two years that, hey, guess what? Their fastest wide receiver basically ended up as the primary focus of their passing game over the last two years in Ted Ginn. Yeah, they just, I just, they need to refocus. They need, I mean, Jonathan Stewart, who never appears in more than 12 or 13 games and is 30 or going on 30. I mean, he's, he's viable, but he, he can't be like the focal point of the running game, in my opinion. And they've kind of got the right idea with a Ted Ginn type, but they need their Ted Ginn type to not be Ted Ginn and like a more, <laughs> like a true, legitimate. No, it's true. Yeah, like a guy who can make plays with things other than just breakaway speed. And I, I feel like their formula, it's like a winning formula for their quarterback, but that they just have kind of gotten away from it. Well, and, that, and, and and they keep emphasizing size, obviously. Um, but then when your big guys play small and don't yes. win big, <laughs> that's that's a huge issue, right? Um, and yes. you mentioned Jonathan Stewart. He's locked into this roster next year, Pat, because of his contract as well. Um, Lovely. And, and one situation I'm really interested in is the left tackle situation because – Michael Orr was given a contract extension this past offseason. And then when he went on IR with concussion, um, you know, they like basically didn't hear from him at all. And when you listen to Dave Gettleman speak after the season, there was a drastic difference in how he was talking about Luke Keekley guaranteeing absolutely he's going to be back in the first week for next season, right? And granted, Luke Keekley wasn't on IR, but then a drastic difference in how he talked about Michael Orr. When he said, like, oh, I haven't spoken to him in weeks, and we'll see. Who knows moving forward? So you're basically saying they're praying Michael O'Hare retires? <laughs> well, I mean, but but if he's on the field, Pat, he's their best option at left tackle. Um, yeah, he ended up working out probably a lot better than he deserved to right. work out at left tackle. And then, and then the other point of this, and I could go on and on, is at some point you have to fill these holes and fill these needs while also planning for the future at center and tight end. Because if you lose both those spots with two cornerstones of the team uh, with no replacement, then, I mean, your window to win is not even open, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you, one of the things I wrote was question, 
a Hunter Henry for Greg Olson question mark? Yeah, so that, that that's a good point. And you know what? Um, Bill Voth, who actually just wrapped up his Black and Blue Review uh, website, and I think Bill did an awesome job covering the Panthers over the last four years, uh, reported that if uh, their first-round pick last year, Vernon Butler, was not there, then they were going to take Hunter Henry. Wow, um, that's pretty interesting. So... I mean, and, and it makes complete sense. And this is a great tight end class, right? I don't think they'll take one at obviously. It would make sense. And they, they had kind of dabbled with two tight ends yep. in the past where it wouldn't even be like a like a Greg Olson, putting Greg Olson out to pasture or whatever. Right. And and they even tried this offseason just like recycling third string tight ends and even ones in the practice squad with like Bo Sandlin and a bunch of other dudes. Um, so that's definitely a position they'll look at in this draft. And again, tight end is is – an extremely good one, but everyone and all the beat writers are already talking about adding a running back at eight, Pat. And for a team, probably not going to happen. Well, I, 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 I actually like envision it happening. Like I, I can already see it happening just for how the focus of this conversation has been so far about wanting to shift this offense away from completely being on the shoulders of cam to adding this element. I think it does happen. And for a team that was so focused on running the football over the last four years, They've barely invested draft picks in the position. Pat, name me any of the running backs that they've drafted, maybe two of them, in the last four years. Well, they've legend Cameron Artis Payne, of course. Can you name Uh, one of the other two? Well, I know they didn't draft Fozzie Whitaker. I think he was, like, claimed off the practice squad from the Browns or something. Um, So, yeah, I think think Cap is the only one I can name. Tyler Gaffney. Oh, yeah. Patriots legend Tyler. and, And Kenyon Barner. Oh, yeah. So Eagles special team Hall of Famer. Right. And for a team, again, that emphasizes running the ball so much, you'd think that they would add to the running back position. But they just haven't. So I I, I think it might happen just in in, in terms of a bit of overcorrection here. They just, and they just need a – I feel like they never have a different element in their backfield. Exactly. Like they don't they do not do the committee well where they have like two or three distinct backs. I feel like they kind of – I mean, Fozzie Whitaker's a pass catcher. Right. But I felt like like Cameron Artis Payne doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table that Jonathan Stewart doesn't. He is doesn't, the definition so. of just a guy. Yeah. So it just – yeah, they need – they, they need to be a run-focused team, and they need some more distinct personalities in their backfield. Pat, talk me through the Buffalo Bills quarterback situation right now. Um, <laughs> obviously, at the end of the season, everyone knows that – I mean, they basically came out and said, well, we're benching Tyrod because we really don't want him to get hurt uh, after firing Rex, basically, right? And and he was already hurt. And he was already hurt, so he had hernia <laughs> surgery or whatever it was. And then you trot out E.J. Manuel and Cardale Jones, even though – Pat, I mean, we're kind of fans of Tyrod, and I think a lot of people on football Twitter are as well. Yeah, we are. I was going to say, for team needs, I was going to say, hopefully not quarterback. And I feel like maybe the only way that the situation can be reconciled is if they keep Anthony Lynn, who supposedly wants to keep Tyrod Taylor and really likes Tyrod Taylor. But, I mean, it's looking like it's going to be quarterback, which you know, probably to both of us is insane. I know there yeah. are some – Tyrod Taylor truthers on Twitter. I think Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated is, if I remember correctly. Sorry if he's not. He might not you should be. should apologize for mispronouncing his name. It's he, he goes by Benoit. Really? It makes no sense. It makes no <laughs> sense. But it's Benoit. Andy, you got to work on your – I know you grind film. you got to work on your pronunciation <laughs> game. I think that's the only uh, thing he does is grind film. But go ahead. He's he's quite a grinder. But, um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But, I mean, he Tyra Taylor, not a perfect quarterback. He does miss some easy throws. But, I mean, they've scored they, – they scored, how many times have they scored 30 points this year? Like a lot. Right. And to find a quarterback 
this is what so many people don't get about quarterback. Is like to find a quarterback even as good as Tyrod Taylor is extremely difficult. To find a quarterback like even as good as Andy Dalton is extremely difficult. So when you have someone that's just good, even if it's in like kind of a annoying way like Tyrod Taylor where it's far from perfect, like you need right. to hold tight to that. Otherwise you're staring down the barrel of EJ Manuel versus Cardale Jones and there are no winners. And and for and, a team that trade I don't know if they traded up to take EJ Manuel, but drafted EJ Manuel in what, the top ten? It was number 16, I think. I don't think they traded up for him. They, obviously, they traded up for Sammy Watkins. The biggest mistake is drafting E.J. Manuel. Yes. And yes. and then they even, what, Jeff Tool started the season opener, didn't he, for them like a few he years literally, ago? Well, I think he was either going to start the season opener and then got hurt, or he definitely started. I can't remember if it was exactly the season like, opener. It's stunning to me that they can like look at themselves in the mirror and be like, well, we would rather wager again and trust the guy who drafted E.J. Manuel and trust the guy who traded an extra first-round pick to move up a few spots to get Sammy Watkins instead of just staying at your spot and drafting Odell, which a lot of us were clamoring for at the time. Um, I don't know how they trust this guy once again to move Yeah, Yeah, Well, I just don't understand, I mean, how they've decided this is their need when they gave, like, a ton of snaps this year at receiver to, like, street free agents. Or, like, Brandon Tate. Know, or, like, yeah, like, down, like, down ballot busts, so to speak, like – you know, Marquise Goodwin should not be playing meaningful snaps Didn't in they the bring year two thousand. Harvin, they did, and then he like immediately. <laughs> I mean, that's not funny. It is funny they brought him back, and then he like immediately started suffering migraines again. Right. So he re-retired after like ten days. Right. And so, yeah, I don't get how the situation they've got. They've got a lot of holes, and how they've decided the quarterback should be one of them is one of the more and, baffling decisions. And we we all love Lashawn, but it's it's would be very tough for him to replicate this type of season because he was one of the five best running backs in the league this year. Um, yeah, and he's 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 kind of he's got that history of soft tissue injuries, and his workloads really piling up, and he's getting closer to thirty. So yeah, you cannot be counting on a repeat of Lashawn McCoy putting the offense on his it, back. Next it makes year. me wonder if if Doug Whaley like already has a target because we've seen him you know, target certain guys in the draft and then go and get them no matter what, right? He Like, he does not care about what the consensus opinion is. Like, if he wants someone, he goes and gets them. Yeah, and it's not just the draft. He also kind of, like, he's, of all the GMs in the league, he's, like, maybe the most focused on, like, big names, quote-unquote. Yeah. He yeah. seems, like, really drawn to splash moves. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that may, maybe one way to justify that. There's no real way to justify it, but at least if he already had his heir apparent in mind, I guess that would go some of the way towards justifying it, it. But so if they do get rid of Tyrod and this is, and again, if you don't have an answer, just say you don't have an answer. Like I, I've, I've kind of racked my brain to try to figure out where he might go. Um, well, Chip Kelly's out of the league. And plus that was be a little lazy connection anyway. Um, I've tried to think about this too. Right. It's uh, difficult. I mean, he's not. I don't see him playing with John Fox. Uh, no, don't I don't him. think that that's his style. <laughs> <laughs> don't think that'll work. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins will be staying in Washington. Dak Prescott's not going anywhere. Right. Doesn't seem like an Elway fit. Uh, so yeah, basically, I have it's, no clue. Right. It's, it's I could odd, see. Right? I, I could see. Maybe the one team. This could be really bad, but uh, Bill O'Brien is not shy about discarding plans at quarterback very yeah. quickly. And so if for even as embarrassing as maybe admitting Brock Osweiler's mistake, I mean, he kind of already did by benching him. He's been uh, – Bill O'Brien's been very willing to ad-lib at quarterback in three years as a head coach. So I guess I wouldn't completely rule that out. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. 
Um, Pat, what do you have for team needs? I'd say definitely a running back. Uh, they're so I mean, Frank Gore did some yeoman's work this year, but this, you know, the, it's so well, like, you one dimensional to get with, with yeah. Frank Gore, right? The Colts were just so one dimensional this year. I mean, there was no, you planned for, you game planned for one player basically. I mean, not, not that you didn't game plan for T.Y. Hilton, but you, know, you didn't ever come into the game, you know, like uh, we got to stop Andrew Luck, but also worrying about that run game, you know, like they, they've got to rejuvenate the run game. Frank Gore, great, great player, but averaged like 3.8 yards per carry as a Colt. Uh, Robert Turbin's the, Robert Turbin has professed a desire to be a bell cow back, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I have professed the desire to do many things. Yes, he is on the record as wanting to be a bell cow back, but I would say he's just a guy. Um, Josh Ferguson. I oh think, my gosh! Do you remember I, the I think, love last summer for Josh Ferguson? I know. I think he, he had was like going. Neg- he was going in MFLs ahead of Darren Sproles at one point. I think he had close to negative rushing yardage. He did have like twenty catches, but so yeah, more than I, anything, I, they I, need I a- tweeted this out, Pat. But like the the key to Twitter's heart, football Twitter's heart, are like. For quarterbacks, big throws, like outside of structure along the sideline once ad-libbing. And for small, undersized, pass-catching running backs who can make people miss in the open field. And that's Josh Ferguson. Yeah, I would say that's an accurate characterization of football Twitter, too. And Colts have a lot of needs. You know, they were... Went, you know, they went all in on offense, you know, and they used like that first round draft pick on Philip Dorsett. And I would say they need a receiver. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is shockingly durable, amazingly productive, one of the best receivers in the league. But right. Dante Moncrief really hasn't been the big play guy they were expecting. He so averages only like 10 or threat. Yeah, he's averaging only like 10 or 11 yards per catch, which is not really, not really his, in his, what his profile suggested to me. And Philip Dorsett, you know, just a complete role player, kind of a, I, I was just say poor man's Tavon, Tavon Austin. Maybe he's just a Tavon Austin. I don't know. And, you know, not getting many plays at the tight end position. They just need, they need more playmakers in general. I mean, right. it's not to mention the offensive line, which everyone knows they need to improve. But but here's the thing with the offensive line, and I, I think this kind of opens it up for, for the Colts moving forward. Um, they knew that they struggled along the offensive line last year, right? And they spent four draft picks along the offensive line. I mean, they had Ryan Kelly. They had LaRaven Clark. They had... Austin Blythe, and then they had Joe Haig, I I believe. Now, obviously, Ryan Kelly was inserted as a starter immediately, and some of those other guys had to fill in at times. But the point is, a lot of times when fans of teams believe their team has a need, then they just fill it with one or two spots. But we've seen them, you know, invest multiple picks in multiple spots. And maybe we see that with running back this year. Uh, Maybe we see that with wide receiver, like you mentioned, and obviously at the edge rusher spot along the defense as well, or multiple spots along the defense, we should say. I could see them doing it again at the offensive line, too, like them deciding they've got to be the new Cowboys or something, yeah. and every year investing major resources in the line. But I mean, what, 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 who, what do you have mocked to the Colts? I, like, I don't I, even... So I, I do have an edge rusher right now. It's Tim Williams, who's, in my opinion, really, really good from Alabama, even though he didn't have much of a game in the national championship. Well, um, he's still got a quarter to make some plays here. Uh, so, <laughs> We're going to think we recorded this on Monday night. Uh, but but I was really close to giving them a running back, either uh, Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook, one of them, just because, I mean, Ryan Grigson has shown that he wants to have a running back and wants to have a running game, right? I, mean, I kind of doubt they'll do that again for, for to Tri- the Richardson. T-Rich. 
But then, but then you go out and sign Frank Gore, right? So teams it's, are so self-conscious. Like I, I've, I bet they won't want to repeat the Trent Richardson disaster. But on the other hand, Jim Irsay is another like Doug Whaley addicted to big names, so he can true. maybe force them to a Fournette or a Dalvin Cook. So I guess I wouldn't completely rule it out. Um, how about another team most likely in need of a running back uh, and wide receivers? Uh, so just pretty much every skill position. Uh, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, this started off the season pad as like on this high note and everyone was so excited. And then they actually started playing people and <laughs> and then they started losing. Imagine that, Pat. I still think it's really unfair that they made Carson Wentz give back his MVP. But uh, <laughs> un- it was unfair, but probably called for. But I st- it could have been handled better. Wow. Wow. Uh, I didn't even say that. Anyways, um, <laughs> the the Eagles actually traded their first round picks as you know, to the Cleveland Browns last year. So that is at pick number 12. But then they somehow managed to get a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. And, Pat, your favorite buddy. And now they have a coin flip with the Indianapolis Colts at the Combine for pick number 14. And whoever loses that gets pick number 15. Um, What about the Eagles this year or this offseason, Pat? I mean, I I think if you don't say that they need a wide receiver running back and those are the only two things – um, then I think their entire fan base is going to come at you with pitchforks. Yeah, I was saying, the first thing I put for team needs was re-sign Miles Austin. Got uh, it. They, so that didn't – that, yeah, that could have been a better joke. Riley Cooper? Clearly they need a receiver. I mean, Jordan Matthews is miscast as a number one. He could be, He's proven he can be a very useful NFL player, but he should not be your number one wide receiver. He needs to focus on the slot and be kind of a compiling type and not the, like the sun and the moon and the stars of their receiver core. And like you alluded to, I don't really think their early down back is probably on their roster right now. Uh, Ryan Matthews is aside from being very Ryan Matthews. He is dealing with a, a very serious neck injury and Wendell Smallwood still definitely a question mark. So yeah, they need, they need and a Darren talent. Said he's retiring after the year. Really? Yeah. I, I, th- I think he said that in 2017 will be his last year. Did I just make that up? Oh, 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 no. Okay, never mind. Never mind. You confused me for a second there. Uh, yeah, I think I've. Yeah, he did. And uh, we should probably double check that actually before we send that out on a <laughs> no, our I, world, I, <laughs> our award-winning podcast. I think that's um, right. Are we award-winning? Uh, he, we haven't gotten there yet, Pat. Not yet. We will be. If um, you rate and review us on iTunes, we can get more viewers and listeners. It was, and he, what he said was one of those tossed-off comments. It was like, I'm going to play one more year probably. Yeah. Um, and, and what you mentioned with Ryan Matthews, uh, he's owed $4 million. Well, more than $4 million. They can save $4 million by by cutting him after this season. So yeah, It's pretty I, shocking considering that was Chip Kelly that handed out that contract. I'm surprised you didn't say they got to pay him through 2022. Uh-huh. <laughs> But for a team that brought in Ruben Randall and Chris Givens last year as wide receiver free agents, um, look, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing we'll see a, a completely new spin and shine at the position this offseason. Like, is, is there a type that they need or is it just anyone that can get open and catch the football would, would fulfill and be better than what they have right now? Yeah, just anyone who can make plays. They lacked, they completely lacked a big play element last year aside from Darren Sproles. And right. you don't want your only big play element to be like your 33-year-old space back. So yeah, Carson Wentz, we were kind of kidding about him. But I th- to me, overall, I would say he had a promising rookie year. I feel like I feel like it was a little bit like Derek Carr's rookie year. Where like yeah. The stats were pretty bad, but you know, this is very uh, – like old school scout Twitter, which doesn't exist. But I feel, I feel like, you know, even though he like struggled a bunch, he, he didn't really seem phased to me. Like I kind of like his overall 
Anakin's mentality. I'm going to get into the it factor. uh, I'm really going down a dangerous road here. You are. Let me know when you want me to save you. I think he showed just enough promise that I kind of believe in him and that their offseason focus should be getting him some help. We can both agree that of the two rookie quarterbacks, they got the better one Uh, in terms of Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Like, they obviously won that one. I would say even the Jets won that one of Hackenberg. (laughs) Because they can move on earlier. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'll say this. I think that offense is quite different when Lane Johnson is in the ballgame. It Um, certainly was last year. And and so, and I think – Again, we can kind of spin this forward with a lot of these young quarterbacks and even the ones that are going to be taken coming up. In previous years, Pat, we've talked about how you have to pair a young quarterback with a young receiver, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think more than ever we're going to see young quarterbacks paired with highly uh, invested offensive lines because we've seen that that works quite well uh, in a lot of these other situations. So I Yeah, you got to give yeah, – I mean – We've seen it happen with so many. I mean, the Sam Bradford syndrome, where you can't develop any confidence or any connection with your you know, supposed weapons if you're getting uh, destroyed every third snap. So yeah, um, and and so in my, in my mock, I gave them Dalvin Cook, and I quickly will just want to go in this tangent about how it's okay to really like both running back prospects because, as you know, Pat, we get into this mold where or this mode where we have to hate one us, and like the other. Yeah, always us versus them. <laughs> Um, Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook could not be like more opposite in terms of prospects, uh, but it's okay to like both people. Uh, like Leonard Fournette, we know that he's, you know, more of a powerful runner and might not reel off huge plays, even though he has at LSU. But again, I think that the NFL loves him, and I think you all should as well. And then Dalvin Cook, I mean, you talk about a big play threat, which is what the Eagles need. And I actually talked to someone. Uh, who works with the Eagles, who said that it's it's noteworthy to point out that the Eagles uh, kind of shaped and shifted their running style based on which running back was in the backfield. So it's not like they need someone to plug and play um, at that running back spot to fit their type. I think they will move their style to fit whoever they land, if that makes sense. Because you saw them it's run a with re- Ryan Matthews. revolutionary, revolutionary concept. But it kind of is, right? No, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just being sarcastic where it makes total sense right. and stunningly few teams do it. Right, but like there's, there's a difference in how they ran with Darren Sproles and how they ran with Ryan Matthews, right? So um, even though the two backs are different, I think they both could work uh, with this team. Pat, you got anything else to add? I know this was kind of like an, an odd off podcast, but um, I'm definitely going to listen back and, and see how it went in my opinion. I think it went well, and I'm just I'm pretty distracted by just yeah, this, getting, this. The game's getting really good. Has Clemson Deshaun Watson really thrown the touchdown yet? In the with one second left of the clock, or no? Um, no. Well, when does that happen? Because this is like uh, <laughs> nine or nine or ten minutes of the fourth quarter. Has, That's a good prediction. Has it been? Though. Has it been like a review for this entire thirty minute podcast? Like, yeah, there's there's, there's going to be they're going to end up reviewing this podcast uh, <laughs> to find out if it was truly necessary. If we did our jobs. Um, oh, Pat. Oh, Pat. Well, anyways, for all of you listening, I'll be doing a preview of the uh, upcoming playoff games with Evan. That podcast should come out on Friday. And, hey, if these playoffs games are actually good this weekend, Pat and I might actually talk about them next week. Yeah, you know. We're, yeah, That was like, our plan this week, but then, man, those were crap games. We, am I, we're going to talk 20 minutes about Matt Moore getting hit, and that was pretty much all we had. Pat, we called that earlier in the year. <laughs> we are the kiss of death of Matt Moore – Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. When I, I tried to, I say, who's a random quarterback that's going to play before the end of the year? 
That's right. Um, sorry about that, Dolphins. Ryan yep. Tannehill never missed a game yep. when we made fault. that prediction. So that was pretty bad of us. Blame Pat. Uh, Pat, buddy, I'll talk to you next week, man. My pleasure, Josh. Hopefully we have some games to talk about. <laughs>